following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Go ahead and read the name of the firstborn. Is that a mitzvah? Um, yeah, it's one of the 613 commandments. Um, so the mitzvah is on the father usually, as long as it's a child, the child's on the bar mitzvah. Once the child, if the father didn't do it for whatever reason, um, either or the father wasn't Jewish, for example, the child is Jewish, the mother is Jewish, so then the, ch the child, when he becomes an adult, has to redeem, him, redeem himself. Okay, that's the Allah. So just because your father didn't do it to you, um, doesn't mean you're exempt. You're right now so the mother can't really do it. The mother can if there's no father, meaning if the father's not Jewish, then the mother doesn't. Or but it's but not. But the, it's mitzvah's the son. It's no, the son's a minor. So mitzvah, technically the mitzvah's Till the son gets bar mitzvah, the mitzvah is on the father. If there's no father, then the mother does. There's no obligation on the mother. It's not her mitzvah. But if the mother does it, the son yeah. doesn't have to do it when he becomes yes, age. Yes, exactly. Okay. Or if anyone else does, meaning okay. not specifically Allah and the mother. It's meaning it's he has to be redeemed from the coin. And the first responsibility. So either the, is the, the father. first responsibility, the mitzvah is on the father. If, the, if there's no father, or the the father didn't do it, he wasn't interested, or. We didn't know about the mitzvah, or the father wasn't Jewish, which happens, unfortunately, many times today. So then, usually, either the mother does it, if the mother knows about the mitzvah. But if not, I've had many cases in Houston where I mentioned this mitzvah, and people will say, oh, wow, I'm a firstborn. You know, I did it. I was doing one. I was officiating under Pettin and Ben, and then three other people there said I never heard of it. Because it's not, it's a very rare in the sense of, it has to be a firstborn male. The mother can't be a Bas Cohen or Bas Levy. Okay, that means if meaning because if you, if you, if the family's Cohen, they're not obligated. So all it is to redeem it from the Cohen. So if you yourself is a Cohen, you can't redeem it from yourself. Or even if the wife's a uh, uh, what's called a Cohenet, that means her father was a Cohen, even though technically now she's not a Cohen because her husband is not. And why a Levi? Or, or the because again it's the tribe you redeem it because mm. they're the same tribe. So or the daughter of a Levite. So Fagi, for example, her father is a Cohen. That we didn't have a male firstborn anyway technically speaking, to be exempt. My, so what's amazing, so it's very rare in that sense, plus it's also if there's any, as the Torah says in the verse, Torah says, Peterechem, the, the baby who opens the womb of the mother. That's the language of the Torah. And the Talmud takes that in the literal sense that if there was any prior birth, or let's say, for example, it was an abortion, there was a miscarriage after, after the first trimester, after 40 days, um, stillborn, any of those things would then would uh, exclude the following birth. Okay, so if there's any meaning, because the, the next birth, even though it's a firstborn male, but it's not the one who opened the womb. The womb was already opened by either the miscarriage, abortion, etc. So when Jesse was so born, how about a firstborn female? Uh, that yeah. so Allah is because again the whole idea is we're doing it to because of what happened in Egypt the Torah says the Torah says explicitly because I saved the firstborn males I, I killed the firstborn males of Egypt and I saved the firstborn Jewish children right. males so it was all males so therefore it's <coughs> for male um, because only the, fir the firstborn males died in Egypt not the females so if the firstborn is a female yeah. and the secondborn's a yeah. male doesn't matter because right, again then there was Peterechem uh, the womb was already open. Once the womb was open... Right, okay. Yeah. So when Jesse was born Something in 1978, uh, Rabbi Lowry, I, I don't know if you ever knew him from Emmanuel, did his circumcision. Not that circumcision, but officiated. But and he said, 
Either I didn't know about it, but my recollection I did know about it, I asked him, but I said, it's not necessary. But it troubled me. So later on, I went to Wender, and uh, when Jesse was 18, I redeemed him. Like, oh, who's the coin? Huh? Who's the coin? What do you mean, who's the coin? When did you get the money? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't remember that part of it. So I mean, we had to get five coins, we had to get five silver dollars, we got five oh, yeah, silver dollars, and I don't know who the coin was. So, so the point is, so it's very rare, again, that's why people don't know about it, yeah. Some, unfortunately, some, some denominations, the rabbis might not even know. I know it exists, but they think it's, like you're saying, like not said, yeah. Right, so no, it's, it's wrong. It's a, it's a biblical commandment, one of the 613 commandments, but it's so rare that it's just, people never heard of it. That's you a know. great excuse for a party. Yeah, yeah, no, and we'll talk about it. the party is important. So it's very rare. So again, because you need to have firstborn male, no prior miscarriages, abortions, or if it's a C-section, it's also exempt because again, the Torah says opening the womb. So if the baby's taken out from C-section, so then there's there's no uh, opinion. That's of that. intriguing because C-section you do open the womb. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I understand. The womb, we need the birth canal. The womb doesn't need the womb. No, I understand. We're going to talk about that actually. You could interpret <laughs> both so we ways. say the womb, it means the birth canal. Okay. So, meaning it's opening the birth canal, not opening the womb. But so the question is, so uh, so therefore, C-section is exempt. Um, Bas Cohen, Bas Levy, or Cohen, or so the father's a Cohen Levy. So, it's very, very rare. So, in my grandson who just did one two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever it was. I wasn't there. Um, but I, what happened was my father-in-law is a Cohen. So, a Cohen can never get to do their kids because they're Cohen, or their grandkids. But in this case, your great-grandson, a Cohen, could do because my daughter is not a Bas Cohen, a Bas Levy. Even though Fagy is a Bas Cohen, mm-hmm. but, but since I married her, right, so yeah. but my daughter is not, not, she's just a regular Joe Schwartz. her husband. husband's also a regular guy. So therefore, in this case, my father-in-law, who was the great-grandfather child, was able to do his own great-grandson, which is extremely rare. So I called, I didn't want to go to Israel, I couldn't afford it anymore. I mean, he went for the press. So I called him. I said, "You have to go because it's so rare to have your great grandchild." So I convinced him. He went and he did the. Did so this the just confirms that you married up, and Faggy made a real sacrifice mm-hmm. to marry you. No, <laughs> she was a bot lady. You said. No, she was a cohen. So she married down. She always said. Right, you married up. Oh, I married. And she made yes. a great yeah. sacrifice oh, to marry you. Yes. <laughs> she married them, 100%. She yeah. has. Uh, she holds it against me. I didn't want to say it that way. fund me to get money to go to... I was very happy. I didn't want to be there. I was very happy. I was very happy. My father-in-law went. It's an obligation. He was happy. So I'm going to show you a video of the actual ceremony. So basically what happens is... How many decades ago? We had the film of the... Original ceremony, you said. No, not the original. It's it's still the original ceremony, but but it's happened. This happened two weeks ago, or a week ago, two weeks ago. I don't know. So this is my grandson. Yeah. So uh, so I'll read you. So the so the, it's be, it's be very interesting, as you'll see. It's not people think it's some kind of heebie-jeebie thing. It's a it's, uh, if you call it Torah, it might be heebie-jeebie. If Ron would be, you would say that. But, uh, Where's our heebie but, uh, expert when we need him? But it's a very, it's a contractual, as a matter of fact, the halacha views this as a purely point. a contractual monetary issue. The Kohen owns the child, and you're basically buying it off the Kohen. As a matter of fact, as you'll see, the ceremony says, do you want the Kohen to ask the father, do you want the child, or do you want, do you want money? I was meaning, which would you rather? It's a choice. Because he doesn't have to do it, technically. If he wants the coin, he wants to leave the child with the coin. It's 100% valid. 
so much so that it's basically considered a monetary transaction as far as Allah is concerned. I um, bet it's illegal in Sweden. It's only what? <laughs> <laughs> so let's, I was just going to read you the, the basically I'm going to read you in English what, I mean, we'll watch the quick video. Basically the father Cohen stand, again you need a certain amount of silver um, which used to be, if you have five silver dollars, it would work. Today, the silver dollars, they keep on getting less and less it silver. It diminishes in value? Yes. No, the ve- there's less silver. There's less actual silver yeah, than silver dollars. Silver dollars. So there's not enough grams, I think. You so have to get something that was minted prior to 1982 or something, I don't remember, has enough silver. But if not, you have to add another. So even oh. in Israel, they use... Uh, in Israel, actually, they minted 1976. In the country of Israel, the state of Israel, minted special pidyon ben coins which are very hard to find now because only, only in Israel um, but uh, so my kids they used regular American <coughs> coins which actually there's a place that gives you for free they go find me speaking of go find me there's a site you have to register you get a letter from your rabbi and they send you free five silver dollars oh really <laughs> in Israel so uh, see that so you save the five silver dollars my, my father-in-law has a uh, custom whenever he does a pigeon of band which how often he does it, He's, he keeps the money. Some call him, give it back. You can't give it to the Kohen, what's called a matana manasla to give it to him and, and you're asking for it back because that would invalidate, halakhically, that's not considered giving. If you tell him, I want it back. So what my father-in-law does is he saves the coins and the kid's bar mitzvah, he gives it to them for a present. No interest. Bar mitzvah present. No interest. No interest. <laughs> that's his custom. Oops, so, uh... Um, no. So anyway, this is the ceremony. It says like this. It's in the Archbishop's Sitter on page 219. Um, the father and the Kohen stand holding his child. Um, the father declares to the Kohen, This is my firstborn son. He is the first issue, because we're going to ratchet. He does it in Hebrew. So, so I'm translating for you. He is the first issue of his mother's womb, and the Holy One, blessed is he, has commanded to redeem him, as it says, and those who must be redeemed from the age of a month are you to redeem according to your estimate. Five silver shekels in the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 gera. Okay, whatever that is. So we have to measure the amount of grams of silver that that was, and we do the same amount of grams. And it is said, sanctify for me every firstborn, the first issue of every womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. The Kohen asks, which do you prefer, to give away your firstborn son, who is the first issue of your mother's womb, of his mother's womb, or do you prefer to redeem him for five shekels as you are required to do by the Torah? So the Kohen gives him the option to back out. The father replies, again, it's, it's uh, his prerogative, I wish to redeem my son. I present you with the cost of his redemption as I am required to do by the Torah. With the redemption money in hand, the father recites the following blessings. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe. He makes a bracha and a shechianu. Um, two brachas. One is the bracha on the mitzvah. Uh, commanded us on regarding the redemption of a son. And then he makes a shechianu. The Kohen accepts the money and while swinging it in a circular motion over the infant's head, Okay, this is where the EBGB stuff comes in. It's, it's actually just, a, again, it's a transaction. He, he's, the Cohen says, this is instead of that, this is an exchange for that, this is pardoned because of that. May the Son enter into life, into Torah, into fear of heaven. May it be your will that just as he has entered into this redemption, so may he enter into the Torah, the marriage canopy, and good deeds. Amen. And then the Cohen, who is doing the redemption, blesses him, does Berchat Kohen. And then um, he, he takes a cup of wine, he makes a gaffin, and of course, then you eat. There's always food involved. As a matter of fact, so there is some EBGB here, which I'm not sure about, which is the Talm, the Gemara says, <coughs> or maybe the Kabbalah, the Zohar says, I'm not sure, I don't remember where, that if you eat from the meal of a Pidyan Aben, it says if you fasted 84 fasts. 
Okay. Oh, you don't have, you have to, to do Yom Kippur for the next day. Yeah, I was reading that's where they get this out of giving out clothes oh, exactly. or garlic. So there's a custom, and, as we'll uh, see in the video, sugar. maybe, which they hand out at the Pidina Ben. There was been a custom, I think this is the source, is they give out a bag of garlic cloves um, to people. Why is that? Do you have it on your plate? Is because since the Talmud says it's as if you fast day before fast, so you want to give something that's. Uh, stays, what's it called, like preserves, and you take it home and every time you make your challenge you put it in a garlic clove, and it's every, every time you eat that challenge for the next uh, 10 Shabbos, it's if you fasted 84 fasts, you want to spread the wealth. So that's why it's custom. It's another custom which I have no idea what it is, it sounds uh, idolatrous to me, Just they take the, you'll see, they take the bring babies on a tray, and the women put their jewelry on the baby, I think it's just the door on the baby, but custom to put the jewelry, uh, all the women in the room put their jewelry on the baby. Excuse me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. here. We spend the rest of the time talking. So now, let me show you the a quick video of the pigeon of Ben. Let me shut the light so you can see it. Oh, what happened? Sky is falling. So this is my, this is in Israel, um, you can see, a week ago, two weeks ago, this is my father-in-law, is the Cayenne, he's here, too lazy to get up, he'll get up soon, this is my son-in-law, can you see, I think so, my son-in-law was the father, they all look the same, here's the baby, <laughs> this is my daughter, <laughs> here, <laughs> my daughter's not wearing a black hat, she, oh. she's the one without the black hat, what city is this in, Jerusalem, oh, oh I'm sorry if you said that, <laughs> He's saying the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you want more? The coin, the five coin. He gave, he gave it to my father. Did he get the special Israeli coin? No, to the father. He's asleep. No, he doesn't stay over the bed. This is we hired some like rabbi looking people. You don't need a rabbi. <laughs> you don't need a rabbi. You just need to call him the father. You don't need, you don't need a minion. You don't need. Yeah, it's not a, it's just a transaction. So it's a business transaction. Huh? 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 a business transaction. Buy him off the phone. So there's some document at the end to prove the transaction. Uh, the coin. Okay. The baby's on a tray. So that's the uh, ceremony. <laughs> so now, uh, so I want to um, 
<laughs> you can eat first, right? This is you can eat first, unlike a wedding or a bar mitzvah. You yeah. eat first. That's not true. It's really not. A it's not a big deal. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let me. So Okay. So now. So what's amazing was it happened. I wasn't planning on talking about this. I'm not here to show off uh, my grandson. Yeah, he's sure. sure. I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> so, but I happened to be learning a uh, chapter in Tractate Chulon about uh, about uh, it happens to bring in this about the chor, meaning a bit, talking about animals here. But and it's a crazy gemara. It sounded crazy. We were learning this. I happened to be learning this with someone and um, and crazy stuff. And then I realized. And, then, and even the commentaries say that this stuff never happened, never will. But now that with modern technology, I want to talk about it, you, this Gemara is very, very relevant. When they wrote it, they had no this technology. They, this technology I'm talking about is, is maybe a few years old. Because, as we're saying, one of the the key point here, and which the Talmud will discuss, this is, by the way, because we also redeem, I forgot to mention, we redeem firstborn animals, too. Okay, so the Torah is not just about humans, because, again, if all every... <coughs> In Egypt, the firstborn animals. Does the animal like have to die. be a male? Yes, yeah. firstborn animals. So, so what do ranchers do? They ah, redeem so it all the so time. So today, mm-hmm. we only do, for some reason, donkeys. I don't know why we don't do other animals today. I forgot why. But um, but it's a big problem because if you're a rancher, or even not just today, for the original days they would actually bring the animal. To as a carbon, so I mean you'd have to redeem it. You didn't schlep, lived in uh, Matula, Montana. You weren't going to schlep your animal up to base Amigdash. so you redeem it. You and you, when you you put you take the kedusha, so to speak, the holiness, the animal, kedusha bechor, and you put it onto uh, another you onto coins, and then you would bring those coins to Jerusalem. You'd buy an animal. You have to bring that animal as a sacrifice. So it's a big pain, but the problem is the. If you don't do that, today we don't have a temple, so what do you do? You can't redeem the animal, because there's nothing to redeem it on, there's no carbon. You can't bring in the carbon. So, so there's a few loopholes, as, all, as always in Judaism. So one is if the animal, the problem is also, it's, it's much more complicated, because the animal has a din kedushas bechar, which means it has the holiness of a, of a firstborn. Once again, I, and I forgot, I forgot to mention this part, which is, if you don't redeem your child, so technically, the, the originally, by the way, and this was last week's parasha, two weeks' parasha, that the the kedush, the before they invented kohanim, and before parashas baloscha, where Hashem gave the job to kohanim of all temple service, the 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 bechorim were the kohanim. Actually, the firstborn males had the din of kohanim, so they have a certain holiness on them, like kohanim, so to speak. They were the they were serving the temple. They were the coins until the coins. When that was after the Chetaego, after the sin of the first of the golden calf, so that's when Hashem said, "You're out," and they're no longer doing service in the temple. The Levites who didn't sin, so the coin the Levites in the coin. Here's some information for what was the sin of the golden calf. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> Moses burnt the golden calf. Uh, so the sorry. firstborn had that function until golden calf. Right, exactly. So, so basically, so the animal, so they have a certain kedu, what's called kedushas bechar, until you redeem it, so to oh. speak. So the same thing, the animals, they can't work. Not only that, you can't even uh, kill it. You can't do anything to, to make a mum, what's called a defect in the animal, because then it would validate it as a carbon. So, so you're stuck with this animal today, and there's no beta mignosh. No, it's a big problem. So you have to just put it out the pasture. And it can't do anything. You have to feed it, 
and, and like take care of it. Right. Like welfare. You can't work, you can't do anything because it has holiness because you can't redeem it. So there's a few loopholes. So one loophole, in case you're a rancher, is... A I have Jewish rancher relatives. I just have to let them know. You get a tattoo put on them. You, if, you, if, there's, if a non-Jew has any partnership in the animal, then it's exempt from Pidyon Abed, from Peter, Peter, whatever, Abed. Can that be after the so, fact? No. So the way it works is when the mother's pregnant, you have to sell um, a part of the fetus to a non-Jew. Just like sale of chametz. Similar. Yeah. So you have to sell it, or you sell. But the problem is, since it's not born yet, it's, it's you can't acquire it. So they sell the place where the animal's on. It's complicated. That's one one way to do it. Or in utero, if you put a defect that hasn't been born yet, you can do that. You can make a defect in the animal in utero. Then when it's born, it's not doesn't have the holiness because it's no longer because Is that the technology which we have available today? You can make no, defects right? in utero? Yeah, and they could do that back then too, believe <laughs> it or not. Um, well, during the birth, as long as it hasn't come at the birth canal yet. So. You can't just sell it after it's born, period. Oh, because it has Kedusha. What you can do, the person you're selling to has to keep it, they can't use it either. If they're not Jewish. So so they'll, they'll yeah, you can't do that because... You can't, you know, it has to be just left out the pasture. So it's a big problem. Um, so today what they do in Israel is I believe they do the, the, the ranchers in Israel do the guy thing. They just have an Arab, friendly Arab, who they sell the hummus to. They also sell the fetus in utero. Is, is Not the whole fetus, but a part of it. They give in them Israel, part. can you sell it to a conservative or a reformed Jew? Is that correct? This is not totally far-fetched. My wife's um, brother, the rancher, had four kids. There, uh, but he married a woman who had one of these quickie reform conversions. So, I mean, technically, they're not really Jewish, but they consider themselves Jewish. Now they're in the next generation where the wife of the son didn't even convert, so it was not an issue, but originally... Oh, I'm saying, so if they're a partner, if the wife was a partner in the ranch... Yeah, right. they're off the hook. <laughs> they didn't even know they were wrong. <laughs> Did you raise pigs? So there is, it's not, there's no biblical prohibition, but the rabbis are not happy about it. In the Gemara, the Talmud says... If you raise a pig, do you have to redeem it? No, 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 no. So it's only on a kosher animal. It's How only on a kosher animal. But there is the, the rabbis say don't. don't uh, the rabbis don't say don't do not. We don't do business with chazerim. So, so there's a fa there's a family here. Board, you know the ham family. A lot of Jewish families that run ham businesses. But Allahically, it's a problem. But it's not a peg leg. It's not a. It's not a real. I mean, it's not you know a biblical issue. It's just like uh, we don't do business with pig. Okay, so anyway, this Gemara, as you're going to see, it's, it, it blew me away in the sense of it's one of these Gemaras where there's no way they could have known what happened today. In the last 10 years, the last five years, I think, was the first uterine transplant in the world took place that was successful. Um, and they say it's going to become more commonplace to, for women who don't were born without uteruses or the uteruses are, are uh, compromised and they can't have children, so they... They transplant a uterus from another woman, either <coughs> live from a live donor, could be from a live donor, could be from a cadaver, um, which and then that woman it's a, and it's a temporary transplant. The woman has the baby and then they remove it because while she has the transplant, she has to be on anti-immune drugs, um, and they don't want to keep her on those drugs. So after she has the baby, after she get they remove the uterus and they take her off those drugs because they don't want it. Keep on the anti-immune drugs. They must keep on the drugs when she's pregnant too. Yes. It was a little strange, but right. Well, they have no choice. So. so then, what happens with the child that's born, who's been on this 
I don't know. I gotta speak to the doctor. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a rabbi. Be careful not to throw out the baby with you. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm saying it. So this is a just to give you one example of a contemporary, brand new technology, which is literally only happened in the last, uh, I think, five years or, or even less, which the Gemara seems to be addressing in this case. Which back then they had no, they couldn't even believe this. But in the context here, so that's the question. The question is relevant to Pidyon Ben. Would if the first mother already had a baby, so her she had a peterach, so meaning her womb was open. Now her womb is I mean being the woman used. Who donated the right, the donor already had a baby, but the the, the um, recipient. The recipient, it's her first child. Right. So she's she's recycling the womb. I don't want to use the language, but of the first. So recycle womb. So now, for her, it's peterachim, but for the for the womb, the it's not peterach. So what would be the Allah? So. How do you? So this Gemara seems to address that question. I'm just one example. There's a lot of crazy cases here. The other question would be uh, IVF. Um, so what's the answer? Just Just We didn't see him first stating the question. I don't know the answer. I don't know if anyone knows the answer yet. But we'll see the Gemara. We'll, we'll try to figure it out. We're going to work on this. We're going to be pioneers in this field. Right. Uterine transplant, pidyon aben. It's a very small niche in the rabbi rabbinic community. Um, so. Uh, so the so that's one question IVF questions of IVF where you have uh, again uh, let's say the baby was born you know, to someone else's egg so and that mother the don the egg donor already had a firstborn so do we consider the child the firstborn of the implanted mother do we do a pidyon in case of IVF which is very common today to have IVF so how does that work. So a few of these questions I think we'll be able to ascertain from this Gemara. So we're going to learn this Gemara again. Just happened to stumble across it yesterday. Never seen it before. Fascinating Gemara. And I'm going to try to, and I need your help too. This is, I don't think, many of these questions were not addressed yet in the Halakhic world. So we're going to try to figure it out ourselves from this Gemara. Um, this is just a great another example of a case of uh, of uh, Gemara discussing technologies that did not exist in their time and did not and really really modern technology. So let's start from Bali um, Rava. So let's see. So the so the context here is the, the Mishnah originally is discussing a case. Um, it's going on the mission, going off mission, which discusses a case of a, again, this is all about animals here, not about humans, um, a case where an animal is birthing and it's having problems, it's, it's not coming out, the, the baby, the calf is not coming out, so they go ahead and chop off pieces. Now the, the Allah is, and it's very important um, for humans too, is that the pigeon, the child is born in all cases, is relevant to abortion relevant to many laws, relevant to bris, when the child is considered born, is when the head, when the head is completely out. Okay? The question where? In the birth canal, out, out of the cervix, but let's assume out of the birth canal completely. That's when the child is considered born. Okay? Um, prior to that, now let's say it's breach. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's say the child is breached. So if the head, it's coming a normal birth, the head comes out, we're fine. But if the child is breached, um, or in uh, this case the animal is breached, so then you need what's called rove of the animal. You need a majority of it to be out in order to be considered born. That's the point of birth. 
And that's the point when it will require Kiddushat Bechar. So anything you do prior to that, like we said, technically you can cut the pieces off, you can sell it to the guy while it's in the birthing canal. So that's what the Mishnah was discussing here, um, where, you're, where the person is chopping off pieces. Th- those pieces have a din of Bechar. You, know, the, the, you don't want the mother cat, cow to die. Many times, um, if you've ever been on a ranch, not that I have, but, um, the, when the cow is birthing or the, the mother is birthing, whatever the animal may be, sometimes it's not coming out. To save the mother's life, you have to sometimes uh, abort the fetus, so to speak, in order to save the mother's life, um, which is much more important because mother's worth a lot more money. So, uh, in animals we're talking about. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so, you, so the farmers shop, start chopping off. The leg is coming, it's coming out breached. Knows that they didn't, you know, it wasn't easy. And, and these days also probably not easy, so they start chopping off some of the legs. So the question is, does that leg have a din kedushas bechor or not? So it's only after most of the animal has been born that it has a din bechor. So those says that you can feed to your dog. We chopped off the first leg, even though it's a firstborn male coming out. You can feed the leg to your dog, right? Because it doesn't have kedushas bechor. Um, you could use it for animal feed. Up up until the point once. Everything, the uh, majority is out. At that point, you have to stop. Not the feeding. head. The head. The the no, if the head came out first, that's it. Yeah. It's over. That's what we said. You were on the phone. Okay, so, so now, so in that context, so it discusses various different crazy cases, which again sound really wild. So much so that the commentaries here, article quotes, See, it says like this, it says, although these are unlikely scenarios, these scenarios would never, would ever occur. The Gemara inquires hypothetically, following the principle of drosh v'kabel schar. Expound the Torah and you will be rewarded. So, so there's a lot of times in Talmud, as we know, rabbis had a lot of time on their hands. So they, they talk about theoretical cases which never happen and never will. Um, so this, the commentaries, including Tosos, say this, this is one of those cases. Where the, these are crazy cases that we're going to see would never happen, never will. Um, okay, but as we're going to show you, that's not true. They were wrong. They did not foresee that these were relevant. So it could be either, meaning again, the commentaries didn't know. So either the Talmud somehow foresaw that um, in the year 2017 we're going to have our first uterine transplant, and this is relevant. First one was actually in Saudi Arabia in 2000. 2000. Okay. 2000. Stuff, medical um, stuff. Okay. So, the, so they either the Talmud somehow foresaw that in two, the year 2000 there will be uterine transplants, um, an IVF, which whenever that occurred, uh, 1967, the first IVF. I don't know when that is. Just made up the number. Um, or um, they did not foresee it, but somehow they discussed this prophetically. Um, uh, whoever made the Torah understood that uh, this would be relevant in the future. So therefore, it, it wasn't just a hypothetical. In those days, it was completely hypothetical, but clearly it was for the so purpose of future technology. Was it rhetorical or was it predictive? Right. That's the question. Okay? So let's see what Rava says. So, by Rava. So, Rava inquires these cases. Can't see anymore. Krocho besivma. What happens is before the fetus came out, you somehow you stuck your hands in there into the into the uterus and you wrapped it in what they call a bast. Okay, I have no idea what a bast is. Rashi says a bast. A case is you took something, some kind of material. I think it's that fuzzy stuff from the palm tree. You know, when you have a palm tree, it has like this netting or something. So you took that stuff from the palm tree and they wrapped the fetus in it. Don't ask me why. So the question is, um, what is the law? 
Tahu, meaning there's generally, whenever you deal in halacha, there's something, there's a constant, many halachic cases called chatzitza. Chatzitza is, means it's a, they call it, fancy word, inter, what do they say Interposition, which I have no idea what that means, but chatzitza means that there's something, let's say when you wash your hands and deal with your diet. So let's say you're wearing a band-aid, or if you have a cast on your hand, and you're washing your hands, the question is, did I fulfill the mitzvah? To, the, the mitzvah is to pour water on your hands. If there's something in between the water and your hand, okay, so that could be a problem. A woman's going to the mikvah, or a man's going to the mikvah, and they have something, a cast on, or they have a cast, you can't go in the mikvah, can't get it wet, but they have a band-aid, they have a bandage on. So do they have to remove their bandage before the mikvah? How does that work? So is that what, that's called a chatzitza. So biblically speaking, it's a biblical concept, by the way, that you have something between the body and the, and the, and the water in this case. Or, so the, biblically it has to be a majority of the body has to be covered, and you have, you have to be, it's called rov and mumakbid. That means, and I care about it, bothers me, that it's there. As if it's something, for example, you know, many times you get, you come up from work, you have a pen on your hand. So that, most people don't bother. Some people go to the sink and they'll wash it off. So that's the Allah. If that pen bothers you, you're going you're gonna to get rid of it. You want to get rid of it, you're washing it off. Then if you wash the tilti daim, it's not a valid tilti daim because there was a chatzitza, the water didn't touch everyone on your skin because the ink was on. Okay? So, so the same thing here, so the, what Rav's question is, is proposing, if you wrap the fetus in the sieve, in this, in this wrapping, so now the Torah says, Peterechem. Do we require that the, it has to literally be touching the womb, the birth canal as it comes out, um, or not? That's the question. Okay. So, or is it valid? It's not Or is it not? So he says like this. So he says, Korcha b'siv mal. You with us? So he wrapped it in this, uh, the fetus in this bath. What is the law? Does this interposition, the chatzitza, between the fetus and the wall of the womb, prevent the fetus from being sanctified as a bachar or not? Bitalisoma, what happens? You wrapped it in a garment. What's the difference between those two? I don't know. Bishilyasoma, now, says, what happens if it's wrapped in, in its amniotic sac? The fetus comes out, which, by the way, I looked up uh, uh, yesterday, last night, in these cases where babies are born. You know about this? You know, you ever deliver a baby with inside the amniotic sac? The baby comes out in the amniotic sac. Occasionally. Okay, so that actually happens. I saw. What? Born in call. Call. C-A-U-L. So, so the Gemara is saying, um, so the Gemara says, what happens in the amniotic sac? Is that considered chatzitza? Because that's more natural. So the Gemara asks, yaso? If it comes in the in the amniotic sac, orchi, that's normal. That's not abnormal for it to come into the birthing canal. So, of course, it can't be a chatzitza. So, what's your case? Ella says, this is Gemara. Ella, so Gemara answers, what's the case we're talking about? Beshilya acheres mal. What happens if this fetus is wrapped in the amniotic sac of another fetus? Right. So, that's this is where you start hallucinating, right? Yeah. So, so what, what's going on here? Why in the world what, is this a real case? How could it be wrapped in the amniotic sac of another fetus? What's going on here? Um, so, well, so so again, so this I believe again, like you said, depends on which congregation you're from. But clearly, this is an allusion to to the year 2000 Saudi Arabia of a, a child being born in a different someone else's amniotic sac. Is that considered? Um, in this case, we're discussing chatzitza, but is that considered okay or not? Now, what what this case would be? By the way, they do explain it. So next time I show you what she said. Um, 
Mm-hmm. How do you know that it was born in a different kid's sack? There's no name on it. Oh, so this is <laughs> a good, good question. <laughs> no, so the case where Ash explains it's talking about there was twins. Um, each one, I think, depending on what type of twins they are, right? They have separate. Paternal or identical, right, one sack, separate, two sacks. Yeah, exactly. So somehow in the birth, the sack uh, got busted or whatever. This one got into that one. Not clear. Let me just see if Ash explains it. Um, <coughs> the case um, while you're looking it up what I was reading about is that the, a lot of uh, infertility experts recommend the uterine transplants against it because it's dangerous for the mother and it's dangerous to the fetus because they do keep them on the immunosuppressive drugs throughout the pregnancy so and, and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons people are very excited about those because you can use organs from somebody who's been dead for a little while and it's successful. The uterine transplants have been taken from almost all of them from dead people. So and then it stays, the uterus, the tissue stays alive? Yeah, and plus, plus it's like you said, the transplant is called ephemeral because they remove the uterus at the time the baby's born by C-section. So it's a hell of a lot of trouble when you can get accomplish the same thing, for example, by surrogacy. So it's more important, it's a matter of pru or vu, the husband, the wife is, is getting a uterine transplant so her husband can fulfill the mitzvah. But surrogacy can do it too. Life. There's another way. Yeah, she's not obligated to endanger endanger her life. She doesn't want to do it. But she wants to do it. She's allowed to endanger her life. So so that's a good question. I think we discussed in the past. Meaning, in order to have children, the thing like this, really, every pregnancy is dangerous to a certain extent. There is danger in every pregnancy. So therefore, you see that the Torah allowed a woman to endanger her life to some extent. This is more than the yes, yes. So that's a good question. So how much danger? But it's a valid question. By the way, I hate to go there, but. But today, one of the things, the reasons they're excited is because men can get pregnant, can do a uterine transgender, transplant. Right, men right, transgender, right? Transgender, right? Exactly. Men, quote unquote, are getting, are wanting uterine transplants in order to have children. <laughs> so that's great. That's the difference. So now, what do you have, Peter Rechem? Because the birth that's canal issue could be, but the birth you canal issue, you do a The birth oh, canal issue be a problem in <laughs> a transgender <laughs> So it's a fascinating right. world. I don't, well, that they did not foresee. Sure. That I could sure. There's no way. Well, maybe there's no way Talmud foresaw Maybe you haven't found the right Kamari yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so again, so I don't see anyone explaining it here, actually. Um, but I'm, I think I saw, I thought I saw someone mention, talking about twins, exactly what this case is. Show <coughs> Yacharis. And like you said, I didn't really know. So again, it was a ridiculous case, but... Today, what about Lane and Rachel, where they say the babies were switched and... Uh, yeah, well, they were... They were oh, there was, was it a firstborn? It was a firstborn. Interesting. Yeah. Joseph was a firstborn, yeah. Interesting case. Okay, good point. So, so let's see. So he says, so that's what he's saying. What happens if it comes out in the fetus of another? Is that, in this case, it's not necessarily our question. But that's, I think, what we can extrapolate. They're asking the question of chatzitza. Is the, someone else's uh, amniotic sac a chatzitza an interposition that it's not coming through the birth canal, so to speak. Um, so what we do see from here is they're, they're assuming it would still be a firstborn, even though it's someone else's um, amniotic sac. So is it, first of all, is the uterus is not the same as an amniotic sac, is it? 
No. It's two different things, so I'm not sure at this point yet we can know. But the birth canal would be the mother's, even though the amniotic sac might be Right, so the amniotic the sac is really not the uterus. If not it's someone else's amniotic sac, it's like putting in a palm leaf. It's a foreign tissue. Well, that's the question here. That's exactly what his question is. So, well, so let's see. Look like stuffed grape leaves. So you, you're saying no question. Okay, so let's see. Um, no, well, well clearly we're, we're d- whenever the Gemara asks a bunch of these questions, it's always we're going in order, meaning we, we don't ask questions that we don't have to, that's already included in the last question. So the first question was a totally foreign object, you wrap the fetus in. Is that considered a chatzitza? If you're going to want to say that that's not a chatzitza, now we have a question, what about the natural sac that the baby's born? The natural sac, of course it's okay. The question is, what about someone else's natural sac? A different mother's natural So now, um, it doesn't get better than this. <laughs> More exciting than this. Um, so the Gemara now refines the choir. Okay, so now it continues. The rock and this is an interesting case, there's two opinions as to what this means. What happens if the woman attending the birth, and I don't know why, so this is going to be an issue here, why is it a woman? Um, there's no midwife by animal, it's usually actually males, <laughs> ranchers. Um, right, so why is it a woman here? So we'll see. So um, it says she sticks her hands in um, and, and completely enwraps the head and brings it out. Now her hands are chatzitz are interpositioning themselves between the birth canal and the, and the head. The head is not touching the birth canal, so is that a problem? Um, by the way, my, this is real. My my nephew, I have a nephew. I should really call him to find out more. Um, who just took over a year of college this year? He lives in Israel, and he was a he was a shepherd for a year in the West Bank. Um, for really a whole year, he he told me he birthed over two hundred sheep in his hands. He said he's never. He's never attending a birth again. He's single. So he's <laughs> so he never he wants to get married. may not get married either. <laughs> so he literally stuck his hands. So the way I understood it, he literally has to stick his hands in to get to birth it. Um, so it sounded like this case. But I think this case, we're talking about it, her hands are completely enveloped around the head. So the head is never touching the birth canal. It's reminiscent of Porsche's delivery. Ah, so that's, uh, by the way, they talked about that. So that's another thing. That's the contemporary response and discuss if a child is born with forceps, do they do opinion of Ben? And they bring proof from this Kamar. So it is, uh, it is very relevant. So, again, they didn't, it seems like they didn't have forceps then. Um, the ranchers, my cousins, they, they often, they know a lot about delivering cattle. They have to, often they have to do it. Yeah, I'm saying. Oh, I'm saying yeah. Cattle vets yeah. not there for the deliveries, and yeah. you just have to deliver them. There's another case here, which I think I want to call my nephew. Maybe we'll call him. Talking about the weasel. Ah, so we get there. You're always jumping the gun. Um, so he says like this. Hey, Hanami. So what's this case? So now, by the way, so Rashi learns, says it's a woman, and she puts her hands in. Tosus, by the way, doesn't like it because he says, why? Why would the Gemara say woman? Um, we're not talking about you humans. Most midwives, and we don't want to sound sexist here, are females, right? Um, but for birthing uh, an animal, why is the Gemara saying? The Gemara is using feminine language. It says, it doesn't say woman. It says barachatu, vachazatu. That's female. That's feminine tense. So Rashi's saying it's a woman, and they used to do the birth, which Tosa says doesn't make any sense. Women weren't uh, ranchers. Well, does this theoretical apply only to women, therefore, if it's a man who's living? No, but the question is just what's the case exactly? Because yeah. it's not clear what the case is. So Tosa says a whole different case here. Let me just see what he says. I don't remember. Tosa wonders why in the last inquiry, so again, the, 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 Rashi, the way Rashi is, I'm reading articles called the notes here, it says the feet came out first. Before the majority of the body had emerged, the person wrapped a portion inside the womb. 
Oh, no, that's the first case. One possibility is the woman, if it's a woman delivering the fetus, uh, I guess it does apply to humans, but a woman herself has a uterus. It's not exactly the same thing, but that's the distinction between a man and a yeah, woman. Yeah, but why does it mention a woman know, is doing delivery? That's the question. Possibility. And we know only women have uteruses. I think everyone knows. It's, today's even changing. Times are changing. Even the rabbis? Yeah. So, and again, if, so uh, do her hands uh, yeah, constitute a chatzitzo? Perhaps since this is a normal man delivering, so that's a rashi. Now, Tosis is bothered by. Um, Tosas wonders why in the last inquiry Rav speaks in the feminine form thus referring specifically to a case where a woman attends the birth. In his first two inquiries he used the masculine form apparently referring to a male attendant. Furthermore, Tosas objects to Rashi's explanation that all these inquiries apply to a case where the fetus emerged feet first because Rashi's saying it has to be the feet first because otherwise how do you... because once the head emerges and now you're going to put your hand on it's too late. Once the head is emerged into the birth canal it's already born. So it's only relevant if if uh, Rashi is learning if the feet emerge first, so then you can get to the head prior to the majority of the animal coming into the birth canal. It seems quite a, quite possible for the attendant to insert his hand into the womb. Sosa says it doesn't make sense. He's very happy with understanding that the person inserted their hands into the womb and wrapped the fetus before any of it emerges, which I think is the normal way of birthing. Could be Rashi never was, was on a ranch. Thus, the inquiries may pertain, even if the head comes out first, that's Tosis. Tosis therefore prefers the Talmudic text of Rabbeinu Hananel. He changes the language here, and he says, if his sister enveloped him. So Tosis' case is a fascinating case, which might be relevant to contemporary times also. The case is where it's twins, Tosis' understanding, and the sister animal, um, there's, a, there's a male and a female coming out, and the sister, the female, enveloped the male's head with its legs. And now you're delivering it, so the head is not touching the birth canal. And now the, the female is not, if the female would be come out first, head first, then it would be over. But in this case, only the, fe- the, the male's coming out first, enveloped in the and legs the of the female. female fetus's feet. Right, yeah. exactly. So, and so therefore the head is not touching the birth canal. The question now is, is that a chatzitza? You hear the question? Getting to the weasel. Okay, so now, um, says the Gemara, goes, the Gemara continues, Hechi um, what's the case? Even if it came out head first, petarte, then the fetus opened the womb. It's already that's petarechem, by putting his head first. Rather, the case uh, inquiry pertains to the case where the fetus emerged feet first. So that's what the Gemara is saying, and therefore Tosa says it doesn't, Rashi's case doesn't make sense, because even if the head came out first in the case where you just have a one person delivering it, you could stick your hand in and cover the head. So it wouldn't make sense, therefore he doesn't like Rashi's explanation. It's he says the case is with the sister enveloping this. It's easy to see why the rabbis were looking for loopholes here. <laughs> okay, so now, um, next question. Blasu at the weasel. Blasu chulda see a mouse. So this sounds like the most ridiculous case. It says a weasel inserted its mouth into the animal's womb and swallowed the fetus, draw, took it out, and then expelled it threw it up and put it back in. And now the fetus comes out the regular way. So is that petarechem or not? Okay, now again, this sounds ludicrous, but this might be a case, trying to remember where, this might be similar to, in a certain sense, IVF. You took it out of the womb, let's say a woman, this is very relevant for IVF, technically. I'm just talking off the top of my my head. No one, I haven't seen anyone discuss this, but I just haven't learned this come out. I'm trying to apply it to contemporary issues, which Again, in those How does it relate to IVF? Where you're, you so I'm think thinking where the sort of the fetus came out, and now you put it back in. You you fertilize no, the, egg the egg outside the woman. It's not coming out of the womb; it's coming out of the ovary. 
Okay, of course. A different question. What's called the womb? But I'm saying. Uh, wait a minute. Wait. We get there. We're going to get there. We talk about ectopic pregnancies. A lot of issues. Just yeah. ovary might be part of the womb. As we know, women yeah, can yeah, have an ectopic. Yeah, yeah. They talk about that. It's not considered a petarech. Um, oh, what happens if a woman had ectopic pregnancy? Does that invalidate the next child from being a bechor? Well, usually ectopics aren't in the womb. They're in the floor. Oh, the exactly. So they say that's one. Some people say what you're saying. Ectopic pregnancy would not be, a, would not invent, would still allow the next birth to be a bechor, because the one is. It's not in the womb. I shall say it's in the fallopian tube, an ectopic. Number two is um, they're not viable. They don't. It was never a baby. It doesn't get to the stage. It can't be viable. Ectopic pregnancy inherently can't be a viable baby. So therefore, if it's, if it's the first birth, as we said, we mentioned before, if there's a, a, a miscarriage, right? So it has to be have been after it has to have been forty days. Yeah, after the first forty days, where it's actually a form. That would be a problem of petarechem. This usually ectopic. First of all, they're taking out surgically. Not through the birth canal. No, well, but, and usually not before 40 days because you don't, wouldn't even right. know it's an ectopic. Oh, not before mm -hmm. 40. Usually not. Mm -hmm. oh, How would you know? No, because they take, if the person, the woman is having pain. What's that? Yeah, lots of ways. Usually. It starts bleeding. GGs, ultrasounds, but 40 days is pretty early. Mm -hmm. It's like, you with ectopics? It's like uh, ectopic 10, pregnancy. Days after they is it usually they find before 40 see. days or after 40 days? Oh, you can see. You uh, yeah, what are they doing? He's saying, uh, Alan's saying, before. before 40 days. Most ectopics are found before. How do you, how the do woman's you identify in pain. What happens is the woman's in pain. She goes to the doctor. Bleeding pain. Right, and saying so she starts bleeding, she's in pain, so she goes to the doctor. Doctor, many times they screw up because they don't know what it is. Uh, meaning, because yeah. they think she's just bleeding. Yeah, she go home. Now she has a little pain. <coughs> it's very dangerous. I had a case like that where the they doctor, the doctor didn't, the, the OBGYN didn't catch it, and the GP caught Pretty impressive. Manny Maggot, actually. He's not here, but he, it was the case. He was the GP. The woman went to her gynecologist because she, she had major pains. And uh, the gynecologist didn't say, go home, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Man, he said, then he went, it was a weasel. He went to the GP, <laughs> she went to her GP, and the GP figured it out and sent it to emergency. The gynecologist never saw the patient's nurse on the phone. No, no, she went, she went in. She went in. Do you have uh, conjoined twins for oh. Are they both? Uh, Excellent question. So that's, so that is uh, the Gemara in the Mara Menachas discusses that, actually discusses that the only time the reference conjoined twins is talking about picking up a The only time the Talmud references conjoined twins is someone asked the question and said, what happens if you have a baby born with two heads? Do I have to give ten coins to the coin or, or five coins to the coin? And they kicked the guy out of the base marriage because they said, what are you asking ridiculous questions? That's too ridiculous. This is not ridiculous. That is ludicrous. And they kicked him and said they were upset. And then it says, ten minutes later, someone walked into Beit Midrash with two, with a double head, no, with a, with two, with a, and said, what do I do? Well, you know, what's the, so, so, uh, so it says, uh, it seems to be, we treat him, it says you only get five coins. So surely if there's a woman walked in with a weasel in her womb, weasel in her. <laughs> what, <laughs> if, what if you have twins that aren't conjoined, no. but, but one is holding only on the first to the born. other one? Yes, that's irrelevant, that's like Yaakov and as Yaakov came out, the measure says, "Hold on." The heel, right? So it's the firstborn was Esav, as we know. He had to buy the back, had to buy the bechor off. So that's uh, a good question. The Torah doesn't mention any pidyon aben for Esav. It did a pidyon aben. Interesting. It was before the Torah, but before the, the that's why, because it was before the place, it was before Egypt, so they couldn't have had it. 
Um, anyway, so so uh, so that's so again. So I think again, I'm, uh, this is all in the formulation stages in my mind. I don't, I haven't found anyone discusses it. So Let's deal with the real so case, like wait. the weasel. So the weasel case, I believe, it could be very <laughs> relevant to IVF, um, or again, even technically uterine transplant. I mean, what is this? you're taking out the whole thing and you're reinserting it? Well, that's really what's happening. The weasel pulls out the kid and then reinserts it. So is that how do we view that? That's really what the Gemara the question is. Okay, um, so I think it, it might be very relevant to contemporary issues, but I'm not sure how yet. What about Next week, I what should about have it. If you yeah. do a chorionic villa sampling, or you do a. Uh, uh, so what is that? Is that a fact? Taking amniotic fluid. And taking, no, you're taking actually a piece of the chorion, a piece of the uh, membrane. And like you're doing which is, a... Which is actually... Doing like a... Fetus, yeah, doing a biopsy. Biopsy. Or if you're doing a, a blood transplant, into, you know, needles into the uterus. Uh, or blood transfusion. Yeah, why should that be a problem? Well, it's not coming out of this. The first case, you're saying you take you're a piece you're of... removing stuff you, out. Yeah, but there's always always stuff coming out. That's not an issue. Meaning it's the baby, you know, it has to be that the baby, the baby open it, a fetus open it. So the first case maybe, could, but I'm saying I don't think that's that's nothing. It's issue. I don't think that would be an issue. I mean, because again, it's not uh, it's not something substantial. I could see where this could be an issue in the future because there's work being done developing artificial wombs. This is particularly relevant in abortion cases or patients or a situation where the mother gets ill so you remove the fetus from the womb of one woman and put it either transplant into an artificial yeah. womb oh well, not into another woman right not to another an artificial womb yes i mean and uh how would that play out in this yes so that's so that for sure would not be a i mean again they're going to surgically remove it so it, it's like a cesarean didn't come out with the birth canal i'm not going to birth the baby in them right Surgical removal, so there's no issue there. I mean, the, the womb is not the womb. Unless they uh, put it back into the mother. Right. Again, if they it. right after they after it's Which in there. Possibility. Right in the future. Yes. So that would be this we'll weasel case. We'll call the artificial womb a weasel. Right. So that exactly. That's what I'm that saying. Works. So this weasel case, I think, is very relevant. We're not sure. Weasel. Um, <laughs> continues. Let's just finish here. Oh, we're out of time. Um, so again, the weasel inserted its mouth. Atzianu. So now, Gemara says, you inquire a case where the weasel drew the fetus out of the womb. I picked a, so if it came out, while it was enveloped, so, didn't it, so that it did not touch the walls of the birth canal at all. Accordingly, this is the very same inquiry as the previous one. So you're just asking something that didn't touch the walls of the wall. You know, why is this a different question than before? Ella says the Gemara, rather, what's the inquiry? Belatu Case gets even wilder. If the weasel swallowed the fetus, drew it out of the womb, then reinserted it and expelled it from the stomach back into the womb. The Yatsame love, and then the fetus emerged a normal, healthy birth. Mahu, what is the law? So, is it sanctified as a Bihar by virtue of its initial emergence, um, or does it become sanctified by the second emergence or not? That's the question here. Okay? Now, this is very important. We're going to finish because we're out of time. Hidbik Shnei Rachanan. What happens if one attached two wombs of different animals to each other? and went from one room uh, into the other. This is a wild case. You have been listening to the MP3 podcast.
project from the Jewish Ethic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Thank you.